Welcome to Bar Fights with attorney and advocate Sarah Klein. Taking on issues that matter and advocating for legal, cultural, and political change everywhere in order to protect children and vulnerable adults. Joining the conversation are survivors, advocates, lawyers, media personalities, athletes, celebrities, authors, wellness aficionados, and many more. Because bringing real justice takes a team of experts who care. Now, leading the fight is your host, Sarah Klein. Hi, everybody, and welcome back to Bar Fights. This is Sarah Klein, and I know last week's episode was a little bit heavy. I want to big time switch gears today. I am so pumped to introduce you guys to one of those women who actually deserves to be wearing a cape. She is one of those real life superheroes who is out there doing the work. And what I mean by that is she is working day in, day out to answer the question, what can we do to prevent abuse and keep children safe? So I get tons of messages from you guys after you listen to different episodes and you say, you know, this hasn't happened to me, or maybe it has happened to me or someone I know, but what can I do? How can I help? How can we educate people better? And so the woman I'm going to introduce you guys today, she's just awesome. She's, she's a ray of light. She's got a big, huge smile. She's so much fun. Um, she's the CEO of Darkness to Light. And Darkness to Light is an organization that empowers adults to prevent, recognize, and react responsibly to child sexual abuse through awareness education and stigma reduction. All three of those things are so incredibly important. And what's super funny, I was on a call this morning, um, talking to someone, an organization that I'm going to be doing a keynote address for in November. And she said, Oh, you know, the people in our office, we get educated using darkness to light. And I said, well, you won't believe who I'm talking to this afternoon. Miss fancy pants, CEO, Caitlin Brewer. Welcome to bar fights. Oh my God. What an intro. Thank you. It's so, so um, much fun to be here today. Oh, you're the best. And, um, my sister survivor, Allie Raisman, she's always, talking about darkness to light. She works with you guys, um, I think as an ambassador. And we're always talking about what is that resource? How do we teach and train gym owners and coaches and community members? How do we get this information to prevent this? And then, um, and to, to really sort of bust through that stigma. And so now we have this tangible resource and it's not like you're new, but I want everybody listening. This is the how, and I want Caitlin to sort of describe who you guys are and, and what you guys do. Yeah, of course. Awesome. Thank you so much. So, so Darkness Light is a 20-year-old organization, um, and when we were founded, we were founded by a group of survivors uh, who realized that it was actually, um, there was only child-focused education out there at the time, and if you remember when we were kids, we were taught things like stranger danger and candy from a van and all of that kind of stuff. <laughs> the and good old white van, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's always with the, guy, van. the guy with the mustache, like the whole, the whole situation. So 
Um, the reality is, as we know now, that's an absolute like fallacy. 90% uh, of the time children are abused, but they're abused by someone that they know and trust. 30% of that is family, like a known family member, and 60% of the time is, is a, a known quantity in the community. So a, a pillar of the community perpetrator is sort of what we call them. 10% of the time, it's a man in a van, um, you know, or, you know, that, that kind of uh, 1980s throwback. Yeah, so, must yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, thing. so because of that, because there was so much misinformation out there, um, the Darkness Delight founders created a training for adults. And because they recognize too that abuse is a power dynamic, right? The, the, those who are being abused are never gonna be equally as powerful as those who are abusing. Um, and I'm not saying that there are other motivators around abuse, but regardless, any type of any form of abuse, sexual or otherwise, typically there is a power dynamic. And so they thought, well, an adult is going to be equally as powerful as an abuser um, or an older child. And so they created this two hour training that we're known for called Stewards of Children, um, which is the training that Allie uh, raises money for to keep free on her Flip the Switch campaign. Yep. Um, and so we've been implementing that and we've trained over 2 million people in the last 20 years. Yeah, I know. And so it's amazing. So I joined the organization about five years ago now. And my background is in public health, um, not necessarily, I don't have a social work degree or public health degree, but I have helped build and raise money for and manage projects in the public health field, mostly in Western and Southern Africa. Um, and so I knew when I came on that what I wanted to add to the organization was sort of more of a framework around how we move from just training and education into a whole public health movement. Um, and so what that means is that individuals, you, anyone who's listening can go on our website and you can take the training, but there have to be other ways that you can engage with this topic, right? And this is what you and your um, survivor sisters do all the time. You talk on Capitol Hill, you call representatives, you speak at um, keynote speeches, like you are constantly out there creating a movement, keeping this issue at the forefront of people's minds. Um, and that's what we as an organization really wanted to do. So I introduced this, this concept of social behavior change, which is not something I'm smart enough to have thought of myself. <laughs> decades and decades of people did it before me. But what it does is it breaks down the messages of sexual abuse to different layers of the community, right? So I always use the seatbelt example. In the 70s, no one wore a seatbelt. My mom talks about laying in the back of the station wagon and all of that. But now you have the click it or ticket campaign at the legal level. You have your mom who's looking at you in the rear view mirror and giving you the stank eye so that you'll put your seatbelt on before she you know, backs up the car. You have like people who are lobbying to have seatbelts on school buses. Like, there's a whole community and layered structure of how we changed our individual behaviors to adopt a very small, like what seems like a very small behavior, but it took a whole societal change to do it, right? Yeah. So what Darkness Delight done over, has done over the last five years is take everything we've learned from that individual training and the reactions to that training, and we have expanded our, like, thought process into 
how do we focus on federal level and state level advocacy? How do we assist youth serving organizations to adopt internal policies that create change? How do we get community leaders to speak up at PPA meetings and board meetings and the superintendents, et cetera, so that whole systems within communities address this topic, you know, coaches, et cetera. And then the most difficult thing, how do you get families to sit around the dinner table and talk about the fact that this is an issue? And as much as they have to protect themselves from everything else in the world, they also have to protect themselves from child sexual abuse and individuals who are looking to harm those kids. And so that is a long-winded way of saying there are multiple different levels in which you can get engaged. Um, but the most important thing is that you understand you need to be engaged and yeah. you activate on how to get engaged. Yes, I love that. And I'm just thinking, you know, we sit around the dinner table and say, you have to wear a helmet when you do your scooter so you don't get a traumatic brain injury, right? You have to wear your seatbelt, like don't drink and drive, all these sort of campaigns that we grow up, you know, the DARE program, drugs, all this stuff where is that child sex abuse piece? And that mm -hmm. is really what you guys are doing. Um, and, and I love what you say too, just about that stigma, right? Like why has this been something that has been, you know, scary to talk about or uncomfortable right. to talk about? And, and like you said earlier, you know, having those really uncomfortable conversations and making them normal so that they're not uncomfortable anymore. That's what I think is going to, to really make a difference because, and I don't know if you agree with me on this, but this is a global health crisis 100 been in. And, you know, now we're having this pandemic global health crisis, but child sex abuse was already a pandemic that's been happening for decades upon decades upon decades. We just have not viewed it in that way. Well, I'll tell you, while everybody else was worrying about COVID, um, we were scared to death knowing that children were now quarantining with their abusers. Yes. And we have seen anecdotal evidence from ERs where ERs are reporting a higher frequency and severity of abuse, oh. not just sexual abuse, but physical abuse um, against children. And so we don't even know yet what the outcome of quarantine from COVID is going to be on our children and the generational impacts that, um, if we don't address this in terms of getting them in front of therapists and mental health professionals now, um, what that could potentially do to them later in life, because we know that untreated trauma manifests into lifelong adult problems, whether it's a physical ailment or a mental issue. Um, it's so important for us to be paying attention to this right now. Yeah. And sometimes it manifests in terms of not breaking the cycle and continuing to abuse. Right. And, and exactly. that's something we really, really need, need to get away from. Um, so let's say, you know, I'm a dad listening to this podcast, driving to school. I've had a lot of dads. Interestingly enough, I was chatting with one on Instagram last night saying, I have a one-year-old little boy, here's his picture. And, you know, I, now I'm going to try to do better and know better. What, what, what could they do, right? How, could they sign on and take your training? How can communities, let's say we have a dance teacher listening to this right now and, and she's in charge of a bunch of little dancers. What, what can people do? How can they engage with darkness to light? 
Yeah, absolutely. So our training is designed um, to be sort of a 101 course for everyone. So if you're a parent, you can go on and you can take this training um, and understand the basic tenets. You're going to hear survivor stories. You're going to understand from an adult's perspective what happened to them as a child. We don't use any ch children in our training. Um, and then you're going to get act, like action items on how to minimize opportunity. So let me give you a couple examples. That dad of the one-year-old that you were just talking about, yep. the most important thing he can do right now is to make sure that he teaches his son anatomically correct words. The word penis, the word vagina, they are not bad words. They are in fact the safest thing that you can do because I'll tell you one of the examples in our, our training is that a little girl disclosed to her teacher that her daddy ate her cookie. And the teacher thought she meant a cookie and what she in fact meant was her vagina. Oh. And so, so that little girl did the, the bravest thing by disclosing this to uh, who she trusted, which was her teacher. And because she didn't have the right language, she was unable, the teacher was unable to react the way that she was supposed to react. Wow. And so the, this is why you, you as a parent might be ashamed of those words, but if you are looking to be the best parent possible and protect your kids, start early by giving them the language and the tools they need in order to communicate with you as their safe adult or somebody else as their safe adult so they can protect themselves if something does start to feel a little uncomfortable. As you get older and you continue those conversations, you know, not saying that you're going to hurt someone if they ever hurt you, meaning I'm, I would kill your uncle if he ever touched you or something. While I understand your sentiment and quite frankly, we probably all agree, um, the reality is that child is going to be scared to death to disclose if something does happen because they're not only going to disrupt the world, but they're going to, they know they're going to lose you because mm -hmm. killing people is wrong. You've told them it's wrong and they don't want to, they, they want to protect themselves, but they would rather protect the people that they love. And so not talking to them about harming an individual who's harming them is actually keeping them safer than you might think. And then when you're talking about teenagers, you know, I know the idea of um, pornography and whatnot is, is a, it's a hard topic. Like we're in a world where access to information, images, and videos is unprecedented. Um, but if you aren't having a conversation with your child about pornography, somebody else is going to. Yep. And so if you're not getting over your own discomfort, right? Lovey, Lovey says, be uncomfortable with your discomfort or be comfortable in your discomfort, excuse me. And so if you can be comfortable in your discomfort talking about things like pornography and what it means to have consensual sex and um, to be in a, in a respectful, loving relationship early on, and I'm not advocating that your kids, you know, are, are intimate before they're ready. What I'm saying is have the conversation with them so that you guys can make that decision together. Um, it's another way of reinforcing to them that you are there and that you're willing to listen. And even though everybody's awkward and squirming a little bit, <laughs> um, you're, they're going to know that you're a safe space and they're going to know that they can come back to you and say, I'm thinking about this decision. And that's when you have the conversation and then go have a glass of wine. After yes. <laughs> or a bottle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. So 
Um, so yeah, I mean, there's lots of examples like that. I could go on forever. Um, oh, but well, we're going to definitely have you back because that is the number one question I get asked wherever I am, wherever I speak, wherever I'm interviewed, it's always what can parents do? You know, yeah. I talk about my daughter, you know, teaching her that she's in charge of her own body. Um, and I always joke sometimes that backfires because I'm kissing her and she says, mom, I'm in charge of my own body. No, thank you. And I have to respect that. <laughs> That. Yes, um, of, course, but of course. I just learned stuff, even just listening to you. You know, I learned stuff, and it's better parents. It is better to be uncomfortable than mm-hmm. it is to find out that your child was harmed. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't tell you the amount of paralyzing guilt that I deal with day in, day out with my clients' parents um, in terms of of, you know, their child getting harmed on mm-hmm. their watch. And so easier, better to be uncomfortable, have that glass or bottle of wine. If you have to, um, yeah. those... call up your safe adult and tell exactly. them you're uncomfortable. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> call up your safe adult. I love that. Um, yeah. one thing I love about darkness to light, and I think this is critical is you guys take the stance that it is the adult's job to protect the child. You're not putting action items on the child. You're Mm -hmm. saying it's our job to educate ourselves, to have these conversations. It is our duty, whatever we do in life, Mm -hmm. whether we're a parent, not a parent, but we engage with, with children as aunts or uncles or teachers or coaches or doctors or nurses, whatever it is, you know, it's our job to protect our babies, not their job to protect mm-hmm. themselves. And, mm-hmm. and I, I love that because I think so much of the time we're telling our kids what to do um, if this happens or that happens, but we have to remember they're babies. You know, mm-hmm. even teenagers are babies. Their, their brains are not yet formed. So as much as we can educate them, yes, but we have to be responsible to educate ourselves, right? Exactly. Well, and you know, something that my team and I talk about all the time is that we are adults, but we were also kids once. And when yeah. we were being um, educated by our parents on how to successfully navigate this world, our parents were telling us, respect authority. Don't question people who are more educated than you are in a certain topic. You know, be respectful in public. Adults are always right. (laughs) Adults are always right. And so Mm -hmm. intrinsically as adults, we still live that existence, which is why when individuals in positions of power misbehave and and take negative actions, it is hard, it is still hard for us as adults to question their behavior. It's why when a doctor tells you that a certain um, you know thing needs to be performed in order for to make you feel better, you sort of say, "Well, okay, the doctor yep. said that." And so, I, I, my message to parents is: if something has happened, if something happens in the future, it is not your fault. It's not your fault that you didn't know, that you didn't question. Um, you are going through just as much trauma um, in, in terms of wanting to protect your child and feeling like you didn't. But um, it, there's never a wrong time to make a right decision in terms of changing your standard operating behavior and how you look at authority and how you speak to um, your peers and how you teach your children to respectfully ask questions if they're if they become uncomfortable with a situation. And so we as a society, I, I firmly believe in respecting other people, but we also need to, we need more information and we yeah. need to be able to feel like we can 
challenge a little bit more in order to feel comfortable with how we're moving forward. And so I just want, I want people to know two things. Again, it's not your fault. Um, and, and rethink about your anxiety around challenging authority, because um, it could be the difference between you saving your family member and not. It's so interesting. You know, there's, there's so many ways in our society that we've become almost overly comfortable challenging authority, right? Yeah. Really vocal <laughs> <Yes>. and fighting <laughs> online and Twitter and all of this stuff. But then when it comes to this topic, we're still, you know, finding our footing in terms mm-hmm. of, of being a little bit more sort of observant, questioning things a little bit more, you know, who's going to be there? Who is this parent? Right. And just mm-hmm. kind of having your eyes wide open. Um, one question I get a lot too, it just came to mind is, you know, people say, well, how, how are you going to raise your kids? Are you going to be the most overprotective, you know, parent? How do you, the question is sort of, how do you then go through life and raise your kid without being a cynic or without being, you know, that way overly protective? How are you ever going to let your kids, Sarah, participate in anything in life? What would you say to that parent? Yeah, the reality is I I can't, I'm so sorry that I don't have a black and white answer for you. I think you as a parent have a gut instinct, right? And so there are going to be moments where you're like, this is not happening. This is wrong. The same way you do if you find out your kid's going to a wild backwoods party after prom, like probably (laughs) not the best idea. Um, Did I do that myself? I plead the fifth. But what I'm saying, like, it's, it's not necessarily... Um, it's not necessarily black or white for every decision. What I cannot stress enough is continuing that conversation with your children so that they feel as if you are a safe adult to come to. Mm-hmm. Um, it continue, you know, again, teaching them language, talking about it with no shame, understanding that they're going to get curious and they're going to start asking questions. And that doesn't mean anything's happening necessarily, but continue to just be positive in your tone and always leave the door open for the next conversation. And I guarantee you, if you do that day in and day out, they will come to you and they will tell you things um, that you never expected them to tell you. And I've heard these stories for the last five years about um, children who have, you know, had these conversations with their parents and, and they, these parents were able to react responsibly and, and move their children out of a potentially dangerous situation. Yeah. So listeners, 2 million people have been trained by this beautiful woman and her organization. Caitlin, if you could be on every major news network from now until eternity, I mean, we need this out there for everybody listening, share this podcast, share it with your book club, share it with your mom's group, share it with your, the guys at work, right? There's nobody in this country or world that does not need this information because we are all tasked with keeping our children safe. So mm-hmm. I'm, I'm just so appreciative. What, what other resources do you love? You know, we have darkness to light. The website mm-hmm. is D and then the number two, and then the letter L.org darkness to light D two L.org. What other resources do you recommend? Nick Nick has a really wonderful, um, like animated training for kids and parents about online safety. It's free. 
Um, and so I definitely recommend you go to Nick Mick's website and I, they're going to kill me that I cannot remember the name of the training, but I promise you it's there and it's animated and you'll find it. Love it. Um, I also, you know, uh, while we focus on adults, um, our partner is the Monique Burr Foundation and the Monique Burr Foundation does school-based curriculum for bullying, sexual abuse, physical abuse, et cetera, um, for different age groups. And so that is also a resource that um, you could bring to your school and have them, the teachers teach, uh, you know, their curriculum. It's evidence-based, which I love. Um, I like to make sure everything is trauma-informed. Mm -hmm. And then finally, during COVID, a group of organizations prevent Child Abuse America, SNAP, uh, the Army of Survivors, mm -hmm. Darkness to Light, Child USA, all of the sort of main players got together and we created this movement called Keep Kids Safe. Um, and so if you go to that website, keep-kids-safe.org, um, then you can sign up for our federal level, level policy um, initiatives. And so we are, we've created an, uh, a federal advocacy blueprint um, and what we are going to advocate for as a unified group of individuals and push that forward. And so if you're really interested in that policy level work, um, both, both on a state and a federal, but more federal level, then please sign up for those emails. Um, we'll, be, we'll be kicking into high gear, uh, probably hopefully cross your fingers, January, February, in terms of some advocacy work there. I love that. And I'm going to be joining you guys and supporting you guys for that. Um, you're so amazing, Caitlin. You guys, you. I mean, it, it's obvious to see, again, this woman gets up every day and puts on her cape um, and, and busts her ass to keep kids safe. And I love that. And I love her. Um, again, d2l.org. Challenge. Everybody, you know, let's say if you're listening to this challenge, five people to take the training challenge, 10 people to take the training that will save lives. It, it can say save lives, but I'm almost certain, um, that it will save lives. We know statistically, and these are not even accurate in my view, but one in four girls and one in, I think it's five or six boys experience some form of sexual abuse as a child, but that's just based on who's reported. And mm -hmm. as Caitlin mentioned, there are a lot of reasons kids don't report this stuff or they might try to report it and it doesn't actually work. And mm -hmm. so I think those statistics are not even taking into account how prevalent this is. And so if you think because I live in this community or I go to this school or my kids this or they don't do gymnastics, they do football, um, it's everywhere. It's in Say it louder for the people in the back community, right? <laughs> Say it louder for the people in the back. You know, I hear it all the time. Oh, not in my, not in my neighborhood. Yeah. Oh, we, we go to the fanciest private school, you know, in this state. So it's not happening there. I guarantee you. Anecdotal story. Darkness Light was founded because of a private school coach and teacher um, who abused tens of, of boys in the seventies and eighties. And yep. they're the ones who came out in the nineties. Um, so it happens at private schools. 100%. It does. Yeah. And we have, we have lots of private school cases and yeah. you know, the more money an institution has, the easier it is to cover this stuff up. Um, yep. so you would know that better than anybody. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So whoever you are listening, it's happening 
right under your nose, take this training, be a superhero, get your own cape on and let's hey, go out there yes. and keep our baby safe. Caitlin, safe. I adore you. Me the too. next time we meet, it will be over cocktails. Yes. <laughs> we don't know what state we will be in, um, but we will finally get to hang out in person. I adore yeah. you. I love the Thank work you. you're doing. I support Same. you. Um, and please, please, please come back on the show. I know this is going to be one of the most popular shows that we do because yeah. this is the stuff people are craving. Um, and so come back soon. Promise. Promise. I promise. Yay! Thank you so much for having me and, and kudos to you and everything you're doing. You're, you're kicking ass too. So um, it's an honor to be on and thank you so much. Oh, thank you so much, Caitlin Brewer, Darkness to Light. Thank you guys for listening to Bar Fights. I hope you learned some great stuff today and we will see you next week. for listening to Bar Fights with attorney Sarah Klein, taking on issues that matter. Please check out our website at barfightspodcast.com, Instagram at barfightspodcast, or Twitter at barfights underscore pod for the latest show updates and archives.